welcome to Short Course, episode 15, for May 11th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I just shot the South Carolina State match this past week, and it was honestly one of the best matches I've been to in, in a very long time. I it's, it's hard to judge these things, because as I shoot more matches, I, I feel like I tend to notice smaller and smaller details and get pickier and pickier, but I mean, let me put it this way, like this is the first match I walked away from since shooting the Nationals at St. George in 2014 and said, wow, like that was as good as could be expected given the circumstances. Like this was, this was a state match, you know, it, they, they did a great job. You know, if it were area match or nationals, you know, you'd expect a little more put into it, but, but for a state match, uh, it was, it was good. Uh, nine stages, they were interesting. They were diverse. It was the stages definitely were a bit on the hosey side. There were two stages in particular that had, you know, a lot of paper within, you know, five, 10 yards, wide open paper. And so you had some pretty fast hit factors, but it balanced out. There were a couple other stages that had some pretty low hit factors. Um, you know, there was a stage that was ooh, 24 rounds total and had a plate rack at probably 15 yards. And you, it was, you could only see half the plate rack at the, at a time, because they had steel challenge plates as as hardcover blocking all but about two or three plates worth of a view of the of the plate rack. So, you know, definitely a balance. It was a diverse set of stages. Each stage really had its own feel. There were a couple interesting stages with swingers that were used interestingly. You know, there was a, a swinger that was over the top. You know, you, you couldn't see it when it was dwelling at rest, which is not not that common in the U.S. You, you really only see that in Ipsic very commonly. And in Ipsic, you almost never see swingers available at rest. There was uh, one stage where you had an option to engage a headshot-only target. It was the headshot of the swinger. Before you activated the swinger, the catch was it was it probably 12 yards-ish, uh, and it was obstructed by a steel no-shoot, which is completely legal, totally in the rules. And honestly, I, I don't, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a steel no shoot used like that before. And it was, it was a very cool effect um, because, you know, it, I only saw one person hit it, but when they hit it, you knew, and it, it really made you aim. You know, you couldn't just kind of blast two shots at that head and, and hope you hung some on there because the, the disaster factor was pretty significant. So cool trade off there. The, the, other option was to go forward and open a port to, to start the swinger. So by avoiding going forward, you save probably three or four steps and you could take all the targets without going forward to that port. And so it was interesting. The, the, the trade-offs were very interesting. There were a number of stages where it was not at all obvious exactly how to shoot them. You know, there were at least two viable stage plans. The only one that, that I'm think that I can think of that really only had one viable stage plan was the the one I mentioned earlier with the plate rack. And that was just because all the targets were available from fairly constrained positions. So that was that was a twenty-four round kind of stand and deliver, just how accurate can you be? You know, all the paper were pretty tight partials, half the A zone or less, and then you had the, the fifteen yard plate rack. You know, no real options on that one, but one out of nine stages didn't really let you plan. Okay. Like there, there was balance, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm going at with it. The round count on average, you know, it was, it was, I, I would say pretty typical for the state of the sport of USPSA. 
Most of the stages were, you know, 20 something rounds, 24, 26, 28, something like that. Two 32 rounders. So some long field course type stages, but certainly not wall to wall 32 rounders like you see it at some matches. So, you know, I, it was a great match. The, the, the staff worked hard. It was, we shot it in a half day. So shot nine stages plus chrono from 1 PM to 5 PM. We probably finished it like 5.30, maybe. So afternoon, you know, for me, I'm not exactly a morning person. So if I can sleep in, shoot the afternoon shift and still be done by dinner time, like that's, uh, I mean, it's fantastic. You know, they just, they just did a great job. There was shade on all the bays. There were at least two easy ups. They had cold water on all the bays. I didn't have to paste a single target all day. Like it was just good. Like I would shoot matches like this all the time. I, I wish they were all like this. My my personal performance, I would say I'm fairly happy with. It certainly wasn't perfect, uh, but in a lot of ways, I was kind of underwhelmed because I didn't do great. I, I ended up placing fifth out of eight GMs, sixth overall. There was a, a master that placed in the middle of the of the GMs. You know, fifth GM, sixth overall, middle of the pack of GMs, basically, at about 88% of the match winner. And nothing really went terribly catastrophically wrong. And so I kind of had this sense of, well, I thought I shot a great match. There were a couple of hiccups and I still did, you know, not that great. What went wrong? I don't have a great answer for that, but I have a couple ideas. So there were a couple stages that I, I had a miss on. There were three, three of the nine stages. I picked up one miss each. But what's kind of weird is that they, they all happen in slightly different ways. You know, one was a hardcover miss to the right. One was just a clean miss on a distance target where I'm fairly sure I got a good second sight picture and then started to move the gun off of it before I broke the shot. And then the the third one was just going a little out of control and shooting a target through a port on one of the close hoser stages and clipping the port. And so it's, you know, there's not really one unifying theme there, which is also a little bit frustrating. But if I can try and draw a line between them. The the rough trend is just trying to go too fast. You know, I'm, I'm getting that second sight picture, pulling off the target early, or just running the trigger too fast. I mean, the, the, the one that went into the, the, the side of the port, I may have started to, to move the gun to the right to the next target before I broke that shot. It, it's kind of hard to tell on the video. But that said, I did, I probably shot, I, I would probably say this is the best match finish that I have ever had at, at a big match, at a level two or above match, just because in terms of the number of mistakes, the mistakes were relatively small and I recovered from them fairly well. You know, the, the first miss that I had was on the third stage of the day. Would have been very easy to sort of let that get in my head and ruin my day, but I just put it behind me and, and moved on and ended up shooting the other two over the course of the day, but not really getting into any kind of negative spiral just shooting the stages, having these little blips happen, and then just recovering, shooting the next stage, moving on, and, and leaving judgment for later, for, for now, really. I Just watching the video, I'm shooting at a speed that I've never shot before. Like, this is a new level for me, which is funny because <laughs> this is, this is a, a bit of a frustrating finish because I finished roughly 87% two years ago at the South Carolina section match as well. So there's kind of this feeling of, well, you know, it's been two years and I'm still finishing at the same percentage. So what the heck is the point? 
But when I look at my own shooting, it's gotten dramatically better. And when I look at the level of competition at this match, it's also gotten significantly better. The match winner was Jacob Hetherington, who is a shooter for the USAMU, so he shoots a lot. He's pretty good. The level of talent, there are a couple guys that were at this match that were there two years ago, and I've closed the gap on some of them, and others have just continued to keep getting better and keep eluding me. And so, you know, the, the whole scale is sliding upward. So if nothing else, I'm I'm keeping up. And that's that comes across as sounding kind of like a, a, a strangely self-pitying kind of thing. But I really, it's a, it's a good message. Like, I am training. I'm getting better. Just watching these videos, I can see I'm demonstrably faster. When I aim, I'm significantly more accurate. I'm, I'm hitting better points when I take the discipline. Most of the places that I dropped points, they were not fundamental technique issues. It wasn't jerking the trigger, pushing the gun down. It was either shooting too early coming into position or being lazy on aiming on the swinger over the top. You know, I ended up taking Charlie Delta on that guy. He was at 15 yards, maybe. So, you know, it wasn't an easy shot. But at the same time, I I just, I, I was too worried about looking at the swinging and timing the swing. And I just, you know, didn't aim in on the alpha enough there. But all of the points that I'm dropping were either because I'm shooting too fast, you know, not getting good enough sight pictures, just running the trigger too quickly on, on close targets, or like I said, coming in too aggressively, shooting too early on targets coming into position, or just being lazy aiming at distance. So the the class of accuracy errors is changing, which is encouraging. You know, when I think back to six months ago at the, the U.S. Nationals in St. George, Utah, I, I was having significant problems with just just pulling the trigger straight. You know, even shooting exactly the same gun, this, you know, Tamfolio stock two with a three pound single action. When things started getting hard, you know, when it started getting stressed or trying to run the trigger quickly, I would just start pushing shots left, you know, straight left, just pulling the trigger poorly, gripping too hard, pulling the gun, pulling the trigger sideways and just veering the gun left. And I, I remember there was one stage in particular. It was the the stage where you had to shoot through the low port at, I think it was four or five mini poppers right at the beginning of the stage and then get up and, and shoot a bunch more. I mean, the, the rest of the stage was, you know, another 20 rounds or something like that. And there were two targets in particular where you had, you had, it, they were all hardcover except for the, the A zone. And on both of them, center punch the A and then nine o'clock to the left hitting the hardcover, exact same pattern, two targets, two different arrays, exactly the same pattern. And I, that, that, that was kind of what woke me up and started me on this the, the the most recent path of really trying to address those trigger pulling issues and re-examining my grip, which showed improvement here. Like that, that problem did not happen here. I've made progress on that in the last six months. And so that's encouraging. You know, it's, it's easy sometimes to pay too much attention to the problems that you do have, but to actually have identified that problem, worked on it, honestly spent a lot of time messing around this winter and, and trying to figure out how to you know, just do things a little bit differently to, to avoid that problem. To, to have made progress on that is, is certainly encouraging. Uh, I'll also say, like I mentioned on the last episode, the, the match before this, I had a, a bunch of light strike issues, worst I've ever had, which was worrying and has been something that's been dogging me ever since I switched to the, the stock twos and probably a little bit before that too. And that was completely gone. Got that you know, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got that figured out. 
you know, I can, I can feel when the, the primers are coming out of the press, you know, properly seated. And so that's a good feeling. Like just the fact that I shot nine stages and the gun, the gun just ran, like it just got out of the way. It, the bullets went exactly where I aimed them. Anytime that I didn't hit the target, I know it was me. It wasn't the gear. That's like, that's a good feeling. Uh, I will say one interesting side effect of the light strike incident, you can say, from from two weeks ago, is there were a couple times where I had two rounds in particular that just would not go off, and I ended up hitting them with the, you know, pulling the double action trigger pull four or five times, and then eventually my brain kicked in and I, I, I ejected them and cycled in a new round, and... I had a number of conversations with different people about why didn't you just, you know, as soon as it didn't go off, just rack the slide and and get it out of there. And at the time, you know, my logic was, and this is still true, that I I was just subconsciously, you know, pulling the trigger until the gun went bang. Like I don't train for that scenario. And so I don't have a plan for when it happens. And so it takes a minute for the conscious mind to pick up and, and act. In a weird way, in the sort of Lenny Basham, think about, talk about, write about, having all those discussions put... Put the idea of racking the slide to fix malfunctions in my brain. And at one point on the third stage of the day, I actually ended up coming in, did a reload, coming into a close you know, five-yard target, trying to blast him real quick, and I had, predictably, trigger freeze. But somewhere in the back of my brain, you know, I knew I'd just put in a fresh magazine. Maybe I didn't seed it fully. The gun didn't go click. So I didn't think, oh, pull the trigger again, you know, just hit it again with the double action. It just, I I went to pull the trigger the second time and just nothing happened. Of course, I hadn't reset the trigger. That's what trigger freeze is. But in my haste, you know, without thinking completely subconsciously, I just go to tap rack the the gun, which I guess you could say fixed the problem, but there really wasn't a problem to be fixed. That said, you know, trigger freeze is a new problem. It's something that's starting to happen. It's not something that was happening six months ago. As I'm changing my grip, as I'm gripping the gun more, as I'm running the gun harder, it's starting to crop up. So that's something I'll have to work on. But it was just funny that, you know, in in my haste to fix what I perceived as a malfunction, because I had this this technique error show up at a at a match that wasn't showing up in practice before, and I just had a number of conversations about, oh, when you get in trouble, just rack the slide. It's probably faster. You know, it, it was interesting how that surfaced in the match without me ever practicing it or thinking about it. Just talking about it was enough to sort of put it in, in my brain. Listening back to last week's episode, I, I mentioned, you know, there were sort of three broad categories. There were the the things that I wanted to sort of maintain, you know, that I knew I was decent at and I just needed to do well. There were the things that I've been looking to improve. Uh, and the two things I listed were movement, you know, being aggressive with my movement and having crisp, precise reloads. And both of those did happen. You know, they, they were very present in this match. I, in particular, am really happy. There was one stage, it was a 32 rounder with five shooting positions. It was the the stage where they had the, the popper, the mini poppers that when you knock them over, they cause a full size paper target to sort of flop up and over as a disappearing target. So you have a chance to shoot it as it goes by. And basically a lot of that stage came down to hitting some very precise positions. There wasn't really, well, there wasn't really any shooting on the move you could do in that stage. And so it was move to position, shoot precisely, move to the next position, shoot precisely. And my plan ended up involving doing three reloads as I moved between the five positions. Reloads went flawlessly the, the movement went coming into position, you know, setting up, 
being on a stable footing to shoot, that all worked. Uh, I did have a Delta at one spot. It was it was on the, the low targets, on the close guys coming in through the, the low window. Uh, but again, it that was shooting early. As I was coming in, I was too aggressive, too early on the trigger. And so it, was, it wasn't Alpha Delta, as you sometimes see when you're double tapping. It was actually the Delta was first coming in on the target. And as soon as I saw Brown, I started breaking the shot. And okay, like that, that was a consistent theme for the match. It was something that showed up at the Steger class a couple weeks ago. So that's on the list of, of things to, to work on. But the fact that that stage, I was 94% of Jacob Hetherington on that stage. And I th- walked away from that stage. I remember commenting at the time, like, that's, that is as good as I can shoot today. Like, I don't know that I could do that much better than I, than I did. And so, you know, I, I was happy with that. The, the movement worked. There weren't, there weren't a ton of hard moves. Um, for the same reason that a lot of the shots were somewhat close at this match, just because the bays aren't super duper enormous. You know, some of the bays at, at Palmetto are on the small side, but that's not to say the stages weren't interesting. What movement there was, was precise, did some pretty good. There was one stage that had a pretty interesting middle section where you could take four targets, including two partials on the move, which I don't think most people in production did, but I did. And I think it worked out. And so those things went well. The elephant in the room is steel, which, as I mentioned last week, you know, this this has been something that that I've been struggling with for a while, identified as an issue. And there were, so there were nine stages. Three of them didn't have any steel on them. Three of them did have steel and I didn't have any problems on them. Um, Two of those were just because the steel was either full-size poppers that were relatively close or mini poppers that were really close. And so at that distance, I can basically shoot them target focus without really having to aim that hard. And at that distance, I'm fine. Steel is not an issue. It's when it gets to that, that middle distance where it's not so hard that you totally have to completely bear down on it, but it's not so easy that you can just target focus and blaze it. And so on, on three of the stages that that did have those sort of mid range mini popper, or there was one stage that had some, I would say goodly challenging, you know, 15 yard, probably six inch steel plates. Uh, and there were four of them on the stage. I hit three of them on the first shot, but the fourth one I ended up taking two shots at before I got it on the third shot. And if I had not taken that time, I probably would have won that stage. <laughs> like that, that was, that was sort of the starkest realization about if I had gone one for one on that fourth plate on that stage, it, you know, I probably would have won it. And, and not that stage wins or everything, but to, to have come so close on a couple of stages, you know, the one I mentioned earlier with the the poppers that caused the targets to flop up and over that I finished 94% on. There was a mini popper there at 10 yards, maybe that I just transitioned to it a little too hard, overshot it, shot just to the side of it, had to come back and pick it up. You know, if I'd gotten that on the first swing, maybe that would have been a stage win. So the, uh, yeah, steel, it, it, you know, it wasn't a complete disaster, but, but it definitely was, I shot it the same way that, that I've been shooting it so far. And so it, it's, it's a known weakness. It's something I'll need to continue to work on. You know, Marty's starting to try and diagnose what's happening in dry fire and, and set up new drills around it. One thing that I do want to mention too about the <laughs> popper flopper stage is it was interesting. I found myself thinking back to an earlier podcast, episode two, where I talked about shooting IPSC nationals. And there was a, a stage there where you had two poppers that activated 
three max traps between them. And the lesson that I took away from that stage was don't necessarily hit both activators as quickly as you can because then the mover sequence might be faster than you necessarily want it. And so the lesson from that stage was pace yourself on the activators and that buys you a little bit more time on the activating targets. And that ended up being 100% true on this stage where you know you had too many poppers, each one of which activated the, the these flopper targets. And if you'd hit them both as quickly as possible, they the, the floppers probably would have been too fast to really get good points on. And so as I was walking through it, I was thinking, okay, really confirm the sight picture on the first one and then transition to the second steal and just double confirm that sight picture just to give yourself a little more time to get the first flopper before the second flopper comes up. And as it happened, I ended up hitting the uh, the second popper a little bit low too. It still went over luckily, but it, that helped to slow it down. And so I got an almost perfect target presentation on the two of them. And I ended up shooting good points. I think it was either, I think it was Alpha Charlie on both of them. It was either that or two Alpha Alpha Charlie. So I, I was, I was totally happy with that. So it was just interesting to find myself learning from, from my own podcast. And, and so that was a, a useful lesson. I just want to wrap up here at the end by saying thank you to everybody who ran the match, all the staff, and thanks to everybody that came up and said something nice about the podcast in person. It's, um, it was, it was really good to hear that you guys appreciate it and to sort of get some, just, you know, know that it's getting out into the world and, and people that, that shoot are, are actually listening. So thank you sincerely. That wraps up this episode of Short Course. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry, and my match videos are at youtube.com slash USPSA. If you have a question that you'd like to get an answer to on the show or you just want to tell me something, email me at podcast at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.